If you've got a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Leviticus this morning. Let's go there. Leviticus chapter 25, and we're going to start reading in verse 8. Who's already me curious just at the fact that we're turning the book of Leviticus? This is the book that undoes all of your New Year's Eve resolutions, isn't it? I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover. You nailed Exodus, powered, nailed Genesis, powered through Exodus, got to this one, and April. All right, here we go. Come on, you're so holy. You're like, oh no, not me, Pastor. I'm so much, oh, hallelujah. I read it and God spoke to me. Angels sang. You can be honest, I know the truth. Verse eight, count off seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbaths of years, you try saying that three times really quickly. Seven Sabbaths of years. She sells seashells by the seashore. Seven Sabbaths of years. It sounds easier when you say it with an, I can do this in a Scottish accent. I was reading my children the Bible the other night. And for 15 minutes, I did the whole thing in a Scottish accent. I don't know whether it was a real one or not, but it was like a, you know, like something out of Madagascar where you've got an American being a Scottish person. It's like, nah, that's not right. But that's what I did. And it was really good. The kids listened the entire time. Lara's always going to listen. If Will stays still, it's a move of God. Seven Sabbaths of years. Amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout the land. You can take our lives, you can take our land, but you cannot take our freedom. The Lord is moving in this place. <laughs> consecrate, or consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty. Liberty. Somebody shout, liberty. On the count of three, we're going to yell the word liberty. One, two, three. Liberty. All right, arise is alive. Throughout the land to all its inheritance, it shall be a jubilee for you. Each one of you is to return to his family property and to his own clan. Come down to verse 14. If one of you sells land, if you sell land to one of your countrymen or buy any from him, do not take advantage of each other. You are to buy from your countrymen on the basis of the number of years since the jubilee. And he is, to sell, he is to sell to you on the basis of the number of years left for harvesting crops. When the years are many, you are to increase the price. And when the years are few, you are to decrease the price. Because what he is really selling you is the number of crops. Do not take advantage of each other, but fear your God. I am the Lord your God. Verse 23. The land must not be permanently sold because the land is mine and you are but aliens and my tenants. Throughout the country that you hold as a possession, you must provide for the redemption of your land. 
If one of your countrymen becomes poor and sells some of his property, his nearest relative is to come and redeem what his countrymen has sold. If, however, a man has no one to redeem it for him, but he himself prospers and acquires sufficient means to redeem it, he is to determine the value and the years since he sold it and refund the balance to the man to whom he sold it, then he can go and buy back his own property. But if he does not acquire the means to repay him, what he has sold will remain in the possession of the buyer until the year of Jubilee. It will be returned in the Jubilee. And then he can go back to his property. Now come down to verse 39. If one of your countrymen becomes poor among you and sells himself to you, do not make him work as a slave. He is to be treated as a hired worker or a temporary resident among you. He is to work for you until the year of Jubilee. Then he and his children are to be released and he will go back to his own clan and to the property of his forefathers. Because the Israelites are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt, they must not be sold as slaves. Do not rule over them ruthlessly, but fear your God. This passage of Scripture is absolutely phenomenal. I know that many of us may at times have tried to read this book of Leviticus and got lost in it, but when you start to read it, I want you to understand that what God is outlining for us in the book of Leviticus is the birth of nationhood. This is an amazing passage, you know, this book is an amazing book because it's God saying, this is what I want my nation to look like. I mean, when you read the pages, sure, there's a lot that goes into sacrifices and rituals and we're grateful for a Jesus who is our sacrifice. But when we read it this morning, we are reading the design of a God who is saying, this will be my nation, my people, and this is what I want my nation to look like. When the Israelites went into Canaan, the Bible tells us that to each family, each tribe, they were given an allotment of land. He said, the, the tribe of Dan will have this land. The tribe of you know, Asia will have this land. And you know, the tribe of Benjamin or the half tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim, they'll have this land. And this is gonna be the land that belongs to this tribe. And then within that, there was a further breakdown, family by family and allocation given to different people. In fact, in the book of Numbers, you can read about how the different allocations were made sometimes and about one man who died and he only had daughters. And so God said to Moses, give the daughters the land, even though he has no sons, let the family name continue. And then we find that God kind of said to them, here is your freedom. You've come up out of Egypt. You've been set free. You were slaves. Remember that every single one of us in this room began as a slave. Without Jesus in our lives, we are all slaves, slaves to our own wants, slaves to our own ideas. This is why uh, when you're looking at legislation and government and policy, it's so difficult to translate a Christian worldview into a secular society because really you can only legislate what you can control. And with God, we have been brought out of control to sin and death and liberated, brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And I don't know about you, but the most grateful thing I'm grateful for is that He liberated me from me, from my own sinful tendencies, my harmful ways, my destructive patterns, that He made me this free person. And the Israelites were in slavery. They were in Egypt. They were beaten and oppressed. 
They never had a day off. Slaves never get a day off. And God said, well, this one thing, we're gonna elevate it. It's not even gonna be optional. It's gonna be compulsory. You can only work six days. And it always takes you more faith to rest than it does to work. And someone needs to text that to Pastor Daniel, who's still recovering from his illness and just needs to know that it's all right to rest. You're in the hands of God. He's such a hardworking man. I love him so dearly. My brother from another mother. I have three brothers, Daniel, Brent, and Fraser, my youngest brother. But you know, we find that here the Israelites have been set free from slavery. They've been brought out of Egypt that they're literally now about to enter into Canaan. And God said, here is a new life, not only a new life that's free, but here is a bunch of land that is yours in an agricultural age. He's literally saying, here's an inheritance and here is your freedom. Here's your startup package and you're your own man. No one holds you back. You can do what you want. And then the Israelites began this journey. Some of them prospered, they abounded, but my friends, some of them also went through difficult times. We know this, this is the course of life. They had bad health. They had unwise investments. Some of them were speculative dreamers. Someone was a drunkard, another a compulsive gambler. Another one through just bitterness ate away at the quality of their life. People went through the hardest of circumstances. For some people, just what happened to them was outside of their control. They planted a crop, the crop failed. Other people made a bad decision in a bad moment on a bad day. And the consequences in their lives were enormous. Another person had not enough knowledge and set off on a course and then suddenly realized, oh my gosh, I totally misread this and ended up coming to lack, to poverty, to ruin. I don't know about you, but I've seen this in my life. I've watched people with the same set of circumstances. And you know, it's easy in life to head off with the best of motives, the best of intentions, but then to become derailed for things not to go the way that you want them to go. For some people, we put that down to just bad luck. They're just, just bad luck, poor decision-making. That's the easiest one because it's so easy to look at somebody in need and just say, well, you know, they just were stupid. They just were selfish. They were foolish. They tried to get rich fast. Look at their, their life, pull them down. You know, some people still say it's bad karma. I mean, I personally never, ever believe in that. But, you know, someone to say that it's something that they did in another life that affects this life. Man, I'm grateful for the Christian worldview. But... But you know, the just the stuff that happens to people and they come to ruin and you can call it what you want. But my friends, I don't think I need to go very far around this room to find that every single one of us in our lives has made some kind of mistake. I mean, even the most successful person in this room might not want to admit it, but in our lives, there's something we're not proud of something we haven't handled well, something that hasn't gone the way we wanted. We wanna, we wanna do over in a relationship. You know, something in our life isn't right. We, 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 gotta, we gotta rescue now from, um, from some harsh parenting. Somebody's trying to just rescue their life from a, a promiscuous lifestyle that's just kind of led them to a place where they just know that they're not experiencing the quality of relationships that they need. There's conflicts and animosity that comes into marriages. No, no you know, this is not the stuff you say amen to, but it's real, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's where we live. We, we live with brokenness. For some people, it is financial investments that you made. They haven't gone out the way you wanted. You wish you had bought a house younger. One day you wanna own your own home. Just struggles that people go through. And every single one of us, I, I, I would hazard a guess that 
every single person in this room has got some area of their life that they wish they could just turn back the clock. Just get a do-over. How many movies are there coming out right now that are all about going back to fix what's already happened? Because everybody's fascinated with this thought whenever it comes to time travel, not so much of the future, but of going back to the past because our world is alive with the thought that if only I could undo what has already been done. Everybody wants a second chance. The Bible is amazing in its honesty because even in our reading this morning, the Bible's not saying that life is just gonna give you do-overs. It's saying, listen, some people are gonna be given this land. Remember, the book of Leviticus was written before they went into Canaan. And so God is writing from the perspective of I gave you this set of opportunities, I gave you this land, I gave you your freedom, but it's not going to go well for everybody. And when stuff doesn't go well for you, it will have consequences. There will be debt. There will be a person to whom you have to repay something. There will be a society that feels you haven't measured up. There's gonna be something that enslaves you every time something goes wrong in your world. How many people know that is absolutely true? And sometimes one moment in a person's lifetime or one poor sequence of decisions seems to pronounce over them a lifelong sentence. The gambler loses his land. Um, I've got a friend who literally spent his entire career taking dilapidated farms, buying them off banks and mortgagee sales, doing them up and selling them again. It's a good way. He did a good thing. He prospered through it. God bless him. He did the right thing. He said, the tragedy of what I did, John, was that every single time when you would hear the stories after you bought it and you hear the stories of the previous owner, 100% of the time, alcoholism was at the very core. There's always somebody who's got a, a poor decision, a poor life experience, something that hasn't gone right. Maybe it's just a bad moment. Maybe it's some time of lashing out in anger, but there's, there's something that happens. You know, it's easy to get to a point where you feel in your life that the event has taken place and there's just simply no way of reversing it. I'm stuck now. This is my life. I once had land, I have it no longer. Had a family, I have it no longer. Had a life, had children who loved me, had a wife who cared for me, and suddenly these things can be stripped away. And it's so easy in this world to just say, well, that's the way it goes, and you can't get a do-over, and there's nothing you can do about it. And in our society, it often feels like that, doesn't it? But I'm so grateful for this passage of Scripture because we hear in this passage of Scripture the heartbeat of Almighty God who said, no, no, no. This is the way I'm gonna set it up. Everybody's given the same thing. You all start on the same playing field. Then over the course of your life, some of the people it's gonna go well. Other people are gonna mess this up or things are gonna happen to them that are going to mess them up. He said, but every 50 years, there will be a Jubilee. And in Jubilee, we're gonna announce that this is the end of the season of your indebtedness. This is the end of your season of loss. Whatever debts you've incurred, whatever's gone wrong in your life is gonna be reversed in this one moment. You're gonna get a fresh new start. You're gonna get an opportunity to begin again, to have another go at it, a fresh crack. The land becomes yours. Your freedom is now yours. 
What I gave you when I brought you out of Egypt, what I gave you when I brought you into Canaan was your freedom and your land. You lose your land, then you lose your freedom. But every 50 years, you get your freedom back, you get your land back. Because this is the hour of Jubilee. It's an amazing thing to see written in the passage of Scripture because it's literally saying that without Jubilee, the faults of the unfortunate and the foolish would become permanent, but not in Jubilee. Every 50 years, we hit the reset button. Somebody can get excited about that. Every 50 years, we take the fragged hard drive and we give it a factory reset. Every 50 years, we go back to a whole new template The word jubilee should never be confused with jubilation. It doesn't mean to rejoice. It means to sound the trumpet. It comes from a a Hebrew word that means to to sound the trumpet, to literally declare that the, the debt has been paid, that the captives are now being set free. We are sounding the trumpet. It is the year of jubilee. There have been 50 years, seven times seven and one more. And now every slave goes free. Every, every person is liberated. It's a whole new start. Church Jubilee is not communism. It's not saying that we're gonna bring everybody down to the same playing field every 50 years. It's not saying that the guy who prospers can't have his prosperity. In fact, if you read the whole passage, I'm taking time, but it literally does say, if you build houses within walled cities, then they become yours forever. If you buy one, you keep it forever. But just the land went back to the people. You can advance, you can amass gold, you can amass wealth, you can have flocks and herds and nobody will ever take them away from you. It's not speaking against prosperity, but it is speaking to people in desperate situations. And it's saying, if your life is desperate, you can get a fresh start. Jubilee protects the promise and potential of the unfortunate, the guilty and the foolish. It says that every person is valuable and every one of us deserves a second chance. Somebody shout amen in this church this morning. You know, I've been carrying a picture. I read this passage of scripture. I've read it twice this year on my second time through now, reading the Bible cover to cover. But when I read this passage the first time several months ago, I started to pencil this message because I had a picture. I don't know whether it came from God or what, probably it did. It moved me when I read it, which normally means God's speaking to me, but I I had a picture. I had a picture of a young man, a young woman, some people starting out in the journey of their life. They've got their land, they've got their freedom, and they've got their potential and their dreams and their hopes. And what unites every person in this room is that we all start life with our hopes, with our dreams, with our aspirations. We have stuff in front of us we wanna be. Things happen to us maybe even in our childhood years or teenage years or adult years that strip us of that feeling of a dream. But every child has a dream. Every child wants to be, in fact, my son, we're getting ready for church this morning. He made a sword out of a stick. He made a shield out of a a big bell. And he said, I'm taking these to rocket because I am God's superhero and I'm gonna conquer Goliath. I said, you can take the shield, but the stick stays at home, amen. But he's got a dream. He's got a dream. He's not unique. There are babies out there in dynamite with ballerina suits on in the middle of of June or July, whatever month we're in. Parents have had arguments saying you'll catch pneumonia, but they've got a dream. Well, my advice, just let them. Because eventually they'll grow out of that one. It's just not a battle worth fighting. I know that because I tried. 
I'm not that powerful, it turns out, when it comes to my own daughter. But anyway, <laughs> this passage is saying, you know, you, you start with this dream. Things happen. It's happened. I've seen it. I've watched people make decisions, think that they're going in the right course. I've watched people bound by something in their life. They carry it into their marriage. They're angry with their spouse. Stuff, and then suddenly they start reaping it back. This distance kicks in. Watched investments go sour. I've watched people believe that they can do something and it doesn't work out for them. It's always the way. Stuff happens to people. Some do well and sometimes people don't do well. Crops do fail. Jobs are lost. Stuff happens to people. Investments and get-rich schemes go bust. An uncontrollable temper leads to the breakdown of a relationship. And their sentence, the outcome of their folly, seems to be that they will spend the rest of their lives in in loss and lack. No advancement, no ability to get off the ropes, no promise of freedom. I saw these people in this passage of Scripture without a welfare system get into the point where they're at the bottom of the ropes and they literally have to sell themselves as something of a slave to another person just so that they can get bread to eat and a life and to sustain their living. And they're looking at where they started. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Looking at all of that promise and all of that dream and all of that belief And all of that confidence and looking at where they are now, robbed of a sense of hope, seeing no tomorrow, feeling like it's just now a subsistence, just a getting by, a day by day, a movement by movement. For many in our society, that's where the movie ends. It ends in heartbreak, a few bounce backs, but often just that thought that nobody gets beyond this. But my friends, in reading this passage of Scripture, I realize that this has never been God's plan. God's plan is for Jubilee. I read this passage of Scripture and in my mind I watched this person who'd made these wrong decisions, who couldn't control their temper, who was bound by some kind of addiction. And I watched their life go and them reaching the very end. And then I I saw in my mind's eye this person returning to their land. I don't know, 25 years later, 30 years later, They left at a young man, but now they're returning a middle-aged man. I I watched them walking back in. See, before the trumpet was sounded, before the year of Jubilee, the guy had nothing to leave his children. His marriage might be on the rocks or potentially over. I can't ever contribute. I have no sense of self-image. I've got nothing to offer the world. I'm on the bottom. But then God says, hang on a minute. You carry debts. You've made poor decisions. But this trumpet is sounded. There is nothing like watching an older person getting a fresh start. It's one thing when a kid gets a fresh start, but once you hit that that middle period of your life and you're given a fresh start, you value that fresh start. And the Bible says that the guy gets to walk back onto his own land. And in my picture, he's weeping tears of joy. I've got a tomorrow. I've got a new life. I'm so grateful to this God who would give me this chance. Thank you. Thank you to the people in this world. Thank you that I live in the kind of society that will adhere to what God has said. And the fact that I get this promise of a new tomorrow, reading that passage, seeing that picture has moved me multiple times as I've prepared for this Sunday because I believe, my friends, that it is God's will that people would get renewed opportunities. 
that we would get a fresh start, experience a canceled debt, get a new life, because that's the power of Jubilee. God didn't create a world without circumstances. Jubilee isn't saying that. But Jubilee is saying that we all might maximize opportunities or waste them. We all are given emotions and must control them. We all can make wrong priorities and destroy our destinies. But Jubilee says that no matter what I've done or the folly of my life, that I am worthy of a second chance. You know, in the history of the Bible, it's unclear as to whether the Jubilee ever, ever actually happened. What we do know is that if you read the, the Old Testament prophets prophesying in the time of exile, God literally said, I told you I would give the land its Sabbaths. Seven times seven Sabbaths and then the year of Jubilee. Sabbath and Jubilee in the scriptures always go hand in hand. They are like for like. And God is literally saying, if you won't have Jubilee, then you won't have the land and none of you will get it. In other words, it's not just about the fact that this is a nice bonus to the blessing God gives our way. It is part of the blessing He gives our way. We can't want a second chance if we're not willing to give a second chance. This is an amazing passage of Scripture and it's an amazing understanding. It's actually at the foundation of our New Testament Christian faith is this concept of Jubilee. See, in Isaiah 61, it's gonna come up on your screen, but the Bible gives an amazing prophecy and says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim, to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, the release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness and the planting of the Lord for His display and for His pleasure. I want you to know that when Isaiah is prophesying in this passage, there's a key line in here that every Hebrew understood the moment they read it, the year of the favour of the Lord. It's Jubilee. He's literally saying there's gonna come a time when it will be that the Spirit of the Lord flows and people will be declared, it's your moment of jubilee. It's gonna be good news for the poor because I get a brand new start. It's gonna be somebody who's gonna proclaim freedom for the captives because you're not gonna be enslaved any longer. It's gonna be an oil of gladness instead of mourning because I was mourning my lost opportunities and my wasted life and my messed up relationships, but now I get a brand new start. And now instead of mourning, I am rejoicing. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. He's literally saying, I'm gonna come to your life and proclaim jubilee and your debts will be paid and your indebtedness will go and the ransom is gone and your life is made new. It's your season of jubilee. Wow, you can go ahead and get excited, I am. It's an amazing proclamation, an incredible statement that the bound will be freed and the life will be made new. But I want you to understand that not only is it an incredible prophecy, 
When Jesus began his ministry in Luke chapter four, he got up to preach his first sermon and the, 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 the person in charge of the scrolls handed him in a scroll format, a long scroll, the entire book of Isaiah. And he scrolled through it, 61 chapters it's now broken up into and the book only has 66. How many people know this is not a quick process? I'm scrolling through, read nine. No, 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 nine's good. Read chapter 20. No, no, we're not gonna camp there. Isaiah 54, let's do the true fast. No, 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 we're not stopping there. We're going all the way to Isaiah 61. And then Jesus read out and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to declare that there is comfort for those who mourn, that there is freedom for the captive, that this is the year of the favour of the Lord. Oh, my friends, what an amazing passage of Scripture that Jesus chose to read from. Then the Bible tells us He closed the scroll and said, it's coming up on your screen. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 21, that today this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's happening right now. It is fulfilled. This is the year of Jubilee. Oh, my friends, what an amazing statement. Come on, I I want you to understand that you and I, I we can lose land, we can lose investments, we can lose stuff in our life. That hurts, that's terrible. But our eternity is another question. And Jesus is saying, not only is this jubilee about a statement of a new chance and a new opportunities, and sure, we live in a society not bound by Jewish law, but what I want you to know is that God's got for every believer a fresh start, that your debt is paid. See, jubilee in the Old Testament is mind-blowing, but in the New Testament, it's almost like you can't grab it. Because it's saying that your debt, your sin, paid. And not just every 50 years, that Jesus has sounded the trumpet. We're in the season of eternal Jubilee. It's Jubilee today. It was Jubilee yesterday. It's Jubilee tomorrow. Oh man, I started this life. I messed this life up, but Jesus has already paid the price for every wrong move I've ever made. He brought to my life jubilee. He set this prisoner free. He set every prisoner in this room free. We're not bound by what we've done. We're not controlled by our mistakes. Jesus said, you are gonna have good days and you are gonna have bad days. I'm not excusing it and sin's gonna have consequences, but I want you to know you get a brand new start. You get a new start. It's Jubilee. Oh man, when you start to, oh, the reason why we've got to go back to the Old Testament is because it makes it tangible. It's tangible. You own land, you lose it. That's real. But even though it seems less tangible, it's more real that the debt of our sin has been paid on the cross. That you've got a brand new start. That's why this church is a proclamation. It's a trumpet sound. The gospel is jubilee. My ransom is paid. My debt is fulfilled. The devil has no control over me. 
I stuffed up my life. I was indebted to death, but now Jesus paid my debt and sin has no hold on me. The grave is open. He's got the keys. The captives have been set free. It's Jubilee. Oh my gosh, the band can come and join me on stage this morning because I believe that what God's saying to every person in this room can literally change your life as this begins to sink down. Somebody, there are at least 100 people in this auditorium right now and the penny is clicking right now, this moment, but somebody's just gotta hear that word, Jubilee. Because it's Jubilee that's gonna liberate you to get up tomorrow. It's Jubilee that's gonna give you the power to move beyond some tragedy in your life, some setback, some sentence of finality. There's no sentence of finality. There's no end to your journey. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand that God's got fresh grace for you every day of your life. See, my sin might evict me from my land and it might take anything from 50 years to six months for me to hear the trumpet and be allowed back on my land, but not in Jesus. See, I might've had a bad week in my marriage and now I've stuffed it up. And yes, yes, in my relationship with my spouse, I'm gonna spend time fixing that, but I don't have to fix God. All you gotta do is repent before God and He's got fresh acceptance. His grace is there for you that very moment. And then He's gonna empower you to walk the journey out of fixing it in the natural, what He's already fixed in the Spirit. It's your year of Jubilee. Don't hold over your own life what Jesus doesn't hold over your life. It's your Jubilee. It's your Jubilee. When Jubilee begins to connect with the life, it changes everything about the way you see the world because you know that this God loves you so much, He gives you a fresh start. So right now, our wonderful people care team are gonna begin to distribute our elements for communion all over the service right now. And I truly believe that as we read this passage of Scripture, as we hear this message of Jubilee, you need to know this morning, church, that this message is for you. When we think about communion, when we hold it in our hands, when we, when we consider the wonder of what Jesus did on the cross, it is the proclamation of Jubilee. The declaration that my ransom has been paid. See, my friends, I, I truly believe that there are moments in your life where the number one thing you need to know is that you get a fresh start. You know, the only way you ever get a fresh start really is when you come to the recognition of the faults that you made. What I love about this picture of Jubilee is to have a guy, 25 years old, cocky and arrogant, betting the farm, literally losing it, watching his life spiral down. It's 25 years till Jubilee. But can you picture the age of 50? Half his life spent in blessing, half his life spent in poverty. Can you imagine him walking back onto that land? Can you see it? 
tears streaming down his face, gratitude. That God would give me a chance like this. And think about everything that's ever gone wrong in your life, every mistake you've ever made, every sentence you've ever felt. Poor parenting choices, struggles in relationships, bad investments. And know that there is a God who said, I don't care about the mistakes you've made. I do care, but I'm going to pay a price for them. But nobody is beyond Jubilee. Walk back this morning. Even in your mind, walk back. Walk back onto the family farm. Walk back into the place of blessing. Because God's got for every single one in this room a jubilee. The trumpet has been sounded. I'm so excited about this series. I'm launching it today, but we've got a lot more to go. I'm doing a message in a couple of weeks called After My Deliverance. I believe that God is going to just put something in the fabric of people this morning. And over this next month, that's really going to help us all to understand just how blessed you are in Jesus. Even as you're taking communion this morning, you know what's going to happen for hundreds of people in this room? An amazing torrent of hope is going to flood your life. Because this God that we serve is for us. He is for us. We sang it before, and once we received communion, we're going to sing it again. So I didn't know they were singing that song until they started singing it this morning, but I was jumping for joy in the front row. Don't mind your crazy pastor. But if our God is for us, if He's proclaimed Jubilee of my life, what could ever, what could ever ruin you? Nothing. Every wrong every fault, every failing. I need to make this more specific. Let's take a moment. You may have had a promiscuous past, but God restores back virginity. You may have stuffed up your past relationships, but you're going to have a blessed new relationship. You may have lost your temper, but God's going to give you the grace to control it. You may have lost money on investments, but God's going to give you wisdom for the future. You you may have felt like a failure yesterday, but God's going to give you success in your tomorrow. I want you to know that it's a year of jubilee. This God makes things new in believers' life. That's the gospel, man. That's what Jesus came to do, to make in our lives all things new. Come on, all over this room, why don't you stand to your feet with your emblems in your hand? If you can do that, it's pretty tricky, but you can. Come on, you hold them. We're going to pray over them. For some reason, they're not on the stage, but these people care team are doing really well. But I'm holding my imaginary one. But right now, we're going to pray over this because the moment Jesus touches your life, you're in Jubilee. I said, the moment Jesus touches your life, you're in Jubilee. This red juice represents His blood. This bread represents His body. His blood that was spilt for the forgiveness of sins. His body that was broken so that we could be made whole. 
And now we are literally drinking. Thank you so much, Brad. You're amazing. We are drinking in the forgiveness and the healing of God, the forgiveness and the healing of God, the removal of every mistake, that's your jubilee, and the restoration of the blessing and the healing of by His stripes in His body. We have been healed in Jesus' name. Come on, who's ready for jubilee this morning? Father, we pray right now over these emblems and we ask You, Lord, that as we receive of them, that Lord, You would bless every person in this room. We pronounce over their life what You have already pronounced over their lives, that they are in jubilee. It's an eternal jubilee. Their debt has been forgiven. Their their pardon has been pronounced. Their sentence is cancelled. Their judgment is broken. Lord, that You have paid the price. You have borne the debt. You have redeemed us. You are our kinsman, our redeemer. You have brought us back from slavery and we are free because of You. And we rejoice this morning in You, in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen, amen.